Hello everyone, welcome to episode 129 of the Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello! And Tori Wassenaar. Hello! Uh, and this week we're going to talk about uh, Eichenfell, we're going to talk about Cloudpunk, we're going to talk about Slayaway Camp, uh, one of Andrew's favourite horror games. Kind of horror games. Uh, I'm going to give you an update on my progress with Paper Mario and the Origami King. Uh, Tori is going to talk about Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, much to my jealousy because mine hasn't arrived yet. And we're going to talk a little bit about Minecraft Dungeons and uh, what's changed since launch, including its DLC and new features. Uh, so let's just jump into what we've been playing, I guess. Okay, Andrew, we're going to start with you, uh, Iconfell. Um, when you said you were going to be playing this, I looked it up on the store. It looks very cute and interesting. Sort of looks like a an old school style RPG. It kind of looks like that, doesn't it? At the end of our last recording, I said that I was going to be playing Shadow of a Tale, but that turned out that it was going to be getting a physical release, so I decided to hold off and get that instead. And Iconfell was my second choice game of the week. And I think we could all learn a lesson from that, because this was my second choice, and now having played it, I think this is one of the best RPGs of the year. Oh, hello. Eigenville is an indie strategy RPG. All the battles are done on a grid, where you control a number of wizards and fight some monsters. And uh, there are reasons for that, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, it's set at the wizard school Eichenfell, and the main character is a girl named Marit, who actually is not a witch. Uh, Marit is a person who's called an ordinary, which means she doesn't have any magical powers. But her sister is a witch, and her sister did not come home from Eichenfell for summer break. So Marit is trying to sneak into the school uh, to find out what happened to her sister. And on the way into the forest, she is waylaid by the ghosts who defend uh, the, the entrance to Eichenfell. And just as she's about to lose this fight, she suddenly manifests fire powers. And she does not know why, and nobody else knows why. The ghosts, now that she has magical powers, decide to let her inside Eichenfell, and she begins to investigate what's going on in here that has caused her sister to not come home. And there are all kinds of hijinks going on inside the school on this summer vacation. As I said, the this is a strategy RPG, so in every battle you fight on a grid and you can move your characters around a certain number of squares and some of the strategy depends upon where the characters are positioned and you can change their stats so that way they can move further, which is usually an important skill in a game like this. And then each character also has a number of magical spells that has different effects. Like, most characters have a direct damage ability, but then they also have a status effect ability. Like, Marit can empower herself and her party members so they deal more damage. And she also has this ability that can consume an entire section of the map in flames. It doesn't deal much damage, but it's really good for rooting out traps that enemies can lay 
down and you have to remember where these traps are on the grid because if you step on them then you take damage and you lose the rest of your turn but you also have a wizard on your team who can lay traps himself so <laughs> it's got a lot of strategy to it it's a really smart system and one of my favorite things about this is the spells don't cost any mana uh there is no mana in this game at all these are witches and wizards this is how they fight so it's just lets them do it and that is a a, a big problem i have with early RPGs, especially RPGs from the 90s, is mm -hmm. usually mana is so restricted that there's really, you're kind of forced to save it all for boss battles, which makes any wizard in your team kind of dead weight most of the time. You don't have to deal with that. That's a that's a recent thing in RPGs, which I really appreciate, and Eichenfell definitely falls into that category. There are some skills that have cooldowns on them, but those are like your healing spells, like stuff that the game doesn't want you to use every single turn because that would just make it too easy. But uh, this is a game with magic where there's no mana, which I really enjoy. And every spell that you cast has uh, a timed hit on it where uh, it goes through a casting animation, and if you press the action button at a specific time in the animation, it will increase the effectiveness of the spell. And especially on your status effect spells, if you don't hit this timed hit, your status effect won't even take effect. So you've got to really nail these timed hits. All of this is to say that this is actually a fairly challenging game in spite of uh, its... Um, it's kind of like a, uh, a YA novel, a young adult novel in its, in its content, but I would not casually hand this game to a 10-year-old. I don't know if they could handle it because <laughs> <laughs> these timed hits are pretty challenging, and also the bosses. The bosses are so hard. Uh, I had to retry many, many, many times on several of them just so I could learn their patterns, learn how their attacks work, and get down the timing on uh, blocking their attacks because the timed hits, as in most RPGs, it also works in reverse. If you can press the action button at a specific time during the enemy's attack animation, it will deal less damage. Um, and also the bosses have gotten a bit easier as my party has filled out. Most of the challenge was early on when I only had one or two party members, but once I had three characters in, in my party, then the bosses weren't pushovers by any means, but I also wasn't having to beat my head against a wall until I burst through it uh, just to get past the boss once I had a full party. Uh, most important thing I need to say about this game is cats are save points. Game of the year. Yeah. Eichenfell mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> is notable for its large cat population, and they just lounge around in the most unlikely of areas, and you can walk up to them, and you can pet them, and they purr. This restores all of your hit points and saves your game. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now, if you look up this game on the eShop and you take a look at the graphics, this you, you might be surprised by what this game looks like. This game does look like something between uh, an NES and a Super NES game. It kind of floats in that area between 8-bit mm -hmm. uh, and 16-bit. Uh, it's not exact, but the closest thing I would compare this game to is a Game Boy Color game. Uh, but these graphics are a choice. You can tell if you actually sit down and play the game because uh, the production values are still totally there. The animation is really good. It's just they decided they wanted the game to look this way. And once I sat down and played it for a few hours and got acclimated to it, I didn't even think twice about it. I, it just, 
I really like the way this game looks, actually. Uh, <laughs> and you, you can really tell that the graphics are a choice just from how good the music is, because the music has the production values of, of a game that looks like a modern game, basically. It mixes uh, live instrumentation and MIDI instrumentation, and there's even one boss fight that had a completely vocally backed song that played during it (laughs) yeah this uh i think this might be a top contender for best soundtrack this year i I have to sit down and listen to the whole thing but i I am most tempted to give it to this game right now as we get close to that end of the year episode it's coming up soon (laughs) in the option menu this surprised me there was an option to enable content warnings uh i haven't finished the game yet so i haven't seen everything that there is to offer in the story but i haven't really seen anything in here that i would be too concerned about you know exposing to people who have been been through certain kinds of trauma but that option is there which is nice and Mm -hmm. you know something might come up later that is like oh this is actually some nightmarish (laughs) stuff going on right now it's been pretty lighthearted so far uh and there's also a really diverse cast of characters, and not like when we say diverse, like when we mean like a Hollywood movie is diverse, where it has one black person in it. Like this is mm-hmm. a seriously diverse cast of characters with all different races and sexualities and pronouns. It's pretty forward-looking game. I, I've been really impressed with it in that regard as well. Uh, like I said, I haven't finished Iconfil yet, but even at whatever point in the game I'm at right now, I'm about 10, 15 hours in, still totally recommend this game i was really surprised by it and i'm really happy i've played it nice uh, the thing that made me look at it more than anything was the uh cover art which obviously isn't reflective of the game itself but yeah uh when i delved deeper i wasn't upset with that graphical design either so <laughs> yeah definitely one i'm interested in then uh yeah so uh, let's talk about paper mario and the origami king I was hoping I would have had it finished by now. I haven't got there. I'm just about to unfurl the yellow ribbon, so I think that would put me about the halfway point. Uh, Andrew, I know you ended up uh, not liking it a great deal. Well, I haven't talked about it on the show yet, but I I did finish this back in July or early August, and I've just been waiting for one of you to finish it before (laughs) I really talk about it. I, I didn't dislike it. I do think it's one of the better Paper Mario games to come out since it, it switched to you know the they're trying something new with every entry with Super Paper Mario but mm-hmm. that's not saying much <laughs> it's an adequate game which is high praise for the Paper Mario series and that's really sad yeah there's there's uh, I think that's where I'm kind of landing on it so there's a, there's a lot I like about it I I, I love the art style of course because it's it's just never not funny to me <laughs> uh, I love the music I think it's got like top tier writing um, I like the combat, but without systems, like this game is completely devoid of systems to back up that combat. So I don't feel like I get any benefit from engaging with it. So I like the the boss fights are, are fun because they're puzzles, but the moment to moment fights where you're just going up against the the standard origami creatures that gets old real quick. Um, and it's like I almost wish they just, you know, let me hit things with a hammer and then we'll tackle the the bosses. I, f- I feel like that would have made it a, be- a better game. 
especially for pacing. Um, I, uh, yeah, so like, you know, you, you play a game like this, you're doing like the battles that appear in arenas and you feel like you should, like Mario as the character should be getting stronger, should be getting more party members or, you know, something to shake it up and that doesn't ever feel like it's coming. Um, the the only way you can really power, uh, power Paper Mario up is through the trinkets that you can buy at like certain intervals. You know, usually just after a key milestone, some of the shops will get new new items, which then increase your stats for previous items that you had. Um, it's it's very like the the way you power up Mario is very separate from everything else the game does, which kind of it kills my motivation to pl- to want to play it. So like I when I'm actively playing it, I enjoy it. It's just mustering up the energy to start playing it. I think that's why it's taking me so long. Um and also like something about it just feels like you know, I'm in this exciting colorful world, you know, I want to go explore and constantly the game is tugging me back like I'm on a leash or something. It, it gets kind of frustrating. There's a mission where you got a boat um, and one of your, the party member who you're with, uh, he wants you to go trigger a thing before you go do the actual point of that level. And I, you know, I want to explore. There's a passageway over there, and every time I went further away from the thing he wanted to, me to look at, every time I transitioned screens, he'd be like, "Ah, oh, you know, shouldn't we go check the thing?" And like, I got to the end of that, and I completed the point of that mission without having to go trigger the hey maybe we should go look for this speech but the whole time it kept trying to tug me back when you know I could have just explored naturally and and found that on my own which I ended up doing but with annoying dialogue every step of the way um it's little things like that that is is killing it for me but in in terms of the writing like you know I I keep mentioning how funny it is it's really wittily written uh there was a point in the story where I felt absolutely got punched uh, I, I won't go into details. I can imagine Andrew knows the point I'm on about, um, and I just I wasn't expecting the game to hit me with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, an, an explosive bout of emotion. <laughs> uh, Tori, have you gone any further on this yet? No, I um, I've opened the game a couple of times. Um, I'm in the first area after the first boss battle. Mm-hmm. It's like the the next ribbon area, I guess. Yeah, the blue one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I play a little bit, and then I get into a battle, and I'm like, I just can't be bothered. Yeah, it's the battling that's that's killing it. Um, and like the the only real reward you get from it is coins. Um, but the game throws so many coins at you outside of battle that I don't feel it's really necessary. It's, it's just a, a thing in my way to stop me from hitting the next story point. Yeah, the coins are good, but there's no growth. You don't feel like mm-hmm. you're getting better at the game if you're just... Because the, the battles are puzzles. Yeah. If you solve the battle once and it keeps throwing the same battles at you, then you're not playing the game anymore. You're just existing. <laughs> I think when we first spoke about it, Andrew said that the the puzzles start to repeat, and I've definitely experienced a lot of that, even at the point where I am. Um, but yeah, like with the with the way you power up Mario with trinkets, like the the game's difficulty scales with those trinkets. Uh, even that doesn't feel like it's a a meaningful growth. It's just you're 
you're buying a thing to help you cope with the the level the enemies are at at that point and you know with the amount of money it throws you like you you can probably get through the the battles in other means with power-ups and and all that sort of jazz it's basically an rpg without the systems yeah it's, it's completely devoid of systems it's weird because the legend of zelda is a similar thing that doesn't have levels Mm-hmm. Like character levels, but there's still a sense of character growth. Yeah, like you know, you're finding the hearts, you're you're getting key items that will unlock new things or allow you to get to new places or trigger, you know, new dialogue, you know, that sort of thing. That, that, yeah, that, it's just not here. It just feels lacking. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a lack of depth, um, and it's a shame because there's so much about it that I like. <laughs> yeah, that, the writing yeah, in particular. Yeah, it's it's really uh, really a conflicting game. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, it'll I think it'll definitely feature in a couple of my categories for end of year stuff. But yeah, nowhere near the <laughs> the, the game of the year stuff. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm with that. Andrew, let's uh, go back to you because you've got the most stuff. Uh, Cloudpunk, uh, which uh, looks interesting. I, I've seen some screenshots comparing the Switch version to the PC version. Which were a bit yikes. Um, I think I saw the words Superman 64 levels of <laughs> draw distance. Which was... Uh, well, okay. Uh, Let's jump ahead in my show notes and talk about that. Um, I, I didn't <laughs> compare this game to other platforms at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly noticed the draw distance, but I thought that was meant to convey how polluted the city is. Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother me that much like like i said i noticed the draw distance but i i immediately justified it with the setting um so it's playable and uh, this is a narrative driving game so how it performs graphically is not going to impact your play experience that much um Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i i hope i hope (laughs) they patch it to bring it up to parody of how it looks on pc because this came out earlier this year on pc i think we can assume that that is the vision that the original creators of the game had for what they wanted the game to look like and we would want any other port of it to match that vision but not once playing this game was i mad about how it how it looked so (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh Cloudpunk is a narrative driving game. You play as a young woman named Rania who has just moved to the big city from this place called the Eastern Peninsula, which is described as farmland. Uh, she had to move there because she was she had her property repossessed by uh, something called Debt Corp, and this is a, a cyberpunk setting, so corporations run and control everything, and they're just as awful as they are in our world, but... Uh, they're able to get away with even more. After moving to the city, which is called Nivalis, Rania gets a job working for a company called Cloudpunk, which exists in a a semi-legal state. I'm not 100% sure how that actually works because they have an office building with their name on it in giant neon letters. Uh, So obviously people know they exist, uh, but they are described as as being semi-legal. And I think how that works is a lot of the jobs that they're contracted to do as a delivery company is they're often tasked with delivering things that aren't legal. So they are a legal company that 
often does illegal things. That is the best explanation I can come up for it. Um, but while working for Cloudpunk, Rania drives around the city in her hover car called AHOVA, H-O-V-A, uh, all caps. It's probably an acronym, <laughs> but I, if they ever explained what it was an acronym for, I missed it. Uh, and that's pretty much the entire game is driving around Nivalis doing these delivery missions that you either pick up as part of the story or are given as part of working for Cloudpunk. And when you're driving between locations, the plot proceeds in voiceover through messages at the bottom of the screen. Uh, that, that's, that's the game. Uh, so I, I think how much you're going to enjoy this is going to depend almost entirely on how much you appreciate the writing and I do think it's a well-written game it's all completely voice acted and the voice actors do a pretty good job so it kept me involved uh, where I did fall out of the game is during the moments when there was no plot happening and I was just driving to the next location or if I was exploring a particular location because uh, when you're driving around Nivalis there are basically little islands little islands of residential districts or commercial districts that you can park your car at and then you can get out and you can walk around in either third person or first person i basically went all first person because i felt the game ran best that way and looked the best that way and while you're doing that there are like little faces that pop up on the mini map and you can talk to them and those follow little side stories that these characters reappear at various different places around the map a lot of these uh, side stories are basically just taking uh, the piss out of white men on the internet. You know, there's pickup artists <laughs> and people just being disgusting to Rania just because she's a woman. You know, uh, the uh, the writer definitely had a, an agenda to grind, but I agreed with that agenda, so I enjoyed every moment of it. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, it made me laugh, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> And there's also junk you can find in these locations that you can pick up and you can sell them for money because you can buy improvements for Rania's apartment. All these improvements are completely cosmetic. They add nothing to the game. It feels like it was uh, an achievement-chasing mechanic added into the game, so it, it means absolutely nothing on Switch because Switch doesn't have achievements. And you can also upgrade Rania's car, her Hova, and you can buy more fuel for it and repair it if you crash into stuff but not once did i actually end up blowing my car up i have no idea what happens when it runs out of health but this is not that kind of game it's very leisurely paced you take your time doing anything there was only like three mission objectives total that actually had timers on them i cleared all these timers with almost a minute to spare so it's a very low challenge game but that's because it's a narrative game and that's what the focus on is on the narrative and if you're interested in a cyberpunk story uh i don't think you're going to be disappointed in cloudpunk but uh it's not the best example of the game on switch apparently um and it did crash a number of times on me where just loading into the next area the game immediately crashed mm. it's a common problem with mini games i didn't think much of it i just thought this is another one of those games i just reloaded in and just kept playing no big deal and there was one issue i ran into with a 
some bad flags on a quest where once I finished the quest, I talked to the NPC that gave it again. He gave me the quest again, and it showed up in my quest objectives and everything. Mm. And so I went to the next quest objective just to see if I could get it to clear from the list, and the next part wouldn't trigger. So I was basically stuck with that quest objective on my screen for the rest of the game. That was kind of annoying. <laughs> um, so it, it's not a, a flawless game by any means, but I, I enjoyed it for its story and for its themes. Um, if it sounds interesting, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Um, okay, so uh, Tori. Yes. Minecraft Dungeons. Minecraft Dungeons. So, with Steve coming out in, um, Minecraft Steve, that is, in Smash Brothers, I decided to kind of explore the world of Minecraft again, which now has spin-offs, including, uh, Minecraft Dungeons. I don't know what sort of genre you'd call it, but Diablo comes to mind yeah, as a top, top comparison. Top-down action RPG. Yeah. Um... It's interesting how they've kind of translated the world of Minecraft into an RPG with a story, a weak story, but a story nonetheless. Because the original doesn't really have a story at all. It has a setting, and then that's it. Your story is survive and build cool stuff. And then go to hell, and then eventually go to a place called the End and fight a dragon. Mm -hmm. It's not really a story so much as just a series of goals. <laughs> Whereas uh, Minecraft Dungeons have basically translated the world of Minecraft, the aesthetic, uh, and they, kind of, they created a, a world around it. I don't think it's meant to be the original Minecraft world, so to speak. It's more like a story told within a place that looks like Minecraft. Because mm -hmm. um, I know one of the more popular things in Minecraft is to kind of create adventure worlds to create your own little RPG adventure of sorts and it feel, this feels like one of those like a sort of fan fiction that takes place within that world um, it's been a while since I played the main campaign but the gist of the story is there is an arch arch illager it's like mm -hmm. a villager but he has ill will I guess yep um, he's shunned from all the villages and then he finds an artifact and becomes an evil overlord and you have to stop him. That's the story. Um, you don't play it for the story, really. It's the, the individual levels where it really shines, where you've got different settings that I don't think I even really recognize from. The original Minecraft, like there's a, a place called Pumpkin Pastures that's just pumpkin fields. It's just like a sort of sunset village. It's it's something that you could probably build in the original Minecraft, but it's not like a biome or a, a setting within that game. So mm -hmm. it really is its own thing. Um, the, mo the more recognizable elements are going to be the enemies. Because even the things like the, your weapons and your armor, they're not things that happen, that exist in the original game. Because you've got things like sickles and soul energy, which is a sort of resource that you get from killing enemies that can power mm -hmm. up certain artifacts. Um, before I get too ahead of myself, you got your weapon, your armor, uh, and you got artifacts, 
which are just mapped to, I think, B, X, and Y on the controller. And they can be offensive, defensive, healing. Um, there's a fishing rod that just grabs enemies and brings them to you. <laughs> um, that sort of simple humor definitely translates through. It's, um, it is fun. It's a bit, bit frustrating jumping into it after you haven't played it for a while. Because uh, I played through the main story in the first couple of days after it came out in, I think, March or April. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't played for a while. The DLC came out. Like, there's a jungle pack and a snow pack, and I haven't properly finished them yet. I've dabbled, but I keep dying because I'm playing on like the middle difficulty, mm. relearning everything that I've kind of forgotten. So, so these uh, new areas are they just are they story content or are they just additional levels to run through to to grab loot or whatever? A little bit of both. There is a little bit of story, but the story is so light on in the original story uh, campaign anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever artifact that the archaeologist had, you destroy it and it explodes, and you're collecting the chunks of it because they're corrupting new areas, ah, okay. like they flew off or something. Um, I haven't finished. Now, I think there's two levels per area, and I can't finish mm-hmm. them because I just keep dying. No. So I might have to kind of dial back the difficulty to, to really explore them. But uh, there's a jungle area, and if you're not used to fighting creepers, don't activate the totem with the creeper face. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's um, a bad time. It, it kind of spawned, like, waves of creepers, and... At first, it's just like two or three, and you're like, I can handle this. And then there's just like 20 and not a lot of room to move. (laughs) Don't do it unless you're prepared. Um, There are new weapons and armor related to the new zones. I haven't got too many of them yet, but there's like an ocelot armor in the jungle area. I assume there's going to be like more... I don't know how to describe it, like furry clothes. Not furries, but like <laughs> fur. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. good. Um, yeah, I've only got a little bit into the, the new area. It's a frozen fjord, I think it's called. It looks like each area has two levels. Um, I don't think there's secret levels in the DLC. In the main campaign, there are secret exits in certain levels. When the game first came out, that was like a little Easter egg for people to find, but now they could show up on the map and tell you how to unlock them, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a segue into the new features since I've last played. There's also new um, merchants. So as you play the game, I think you rescue different merchants throughout the game and they appear at your base camp. So you can buy like a, a lottery to get good items. Mm-hmm. which is probably one of my gripes is how they handle items and upgrades um, so you got your armor your melee weapon and your bow and there are different kinds like Diablo it's all just a, a random chance to get the one that you're you're looking for but in Diablo you could power up different sets so you could have a set that might be more suited towards different levels or different types of enemies. And you could swap it out for, you know, a different set. Um, 
the way that Minecraft Dungeons works is that you get enhancement points, which are spent towards like passive perks for these items, but you only get one of them per level up. So you have a limited supply of them. If you want like high tier armor and weapons, you spend almost all of them, which means that if you want multiple sets, you have to dismantle the older items to, to get new sets. You can't have multiple on hand. Or you can, but it won't be full powered. Those, those points are just locked to the armor once you spend them. And that's, uh, it kind of takes the strategy out of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just, you're stuck with what you've invested into. And that's probably the, the issue that I'm having is that I have good stuff. Like I got basically knuckles for my melee weapon, which is probably why I'm dying to creepers so much because you don't want to be in their face. Um, and the bow that I have is a single shot explosive arrow, um, like a crossbow, but you probably want something that's more rapid fire or fires off multiple arrows at once. But if I get an item that does that to get it to its full potential at the level that I'm at, I'd have to dismantle the old bow, which is still a good item and I'd be losing it. It doesn't look like they fixed that. Um, that's probably one of the biggest drawbacks, um, I don't think it would really necessarily bother too many people who are playing casually. But if you're playing it to try and get like the ideal gear to min max and everything like that, it's going to get in the way really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully that's something that they look into in the future. Even if it's just to increase the rate of those enhancement points, to have them on hand or something like that, or just, I don't know. I. I can think of many ideas, but yeah, that's the, the biggest issue that I have with it. Still a fun game, though. Runs well on Switch, actually. Yeah, we uh, downloaded it on Xbox for Game Pass to co-op together. Just haven't got around to it yet. Uh, I understand it's pretty short, the main campaign. It is. Um, so once you've beat the main campaign once, you unlock mm -hmm. the next difficulty, so you go through it again. Mm -hmm. But there is also the thing of, you know... Um, unlocking those secret levels there's even a secret level in the base camp i think you have to find like runes in all the different levels to unlock it and it, you go to like the mushroom level yeah <laughs> yeah it, there's a lot of depth to it if you look for it but at the surface once you beat it once like the the story it's not why you play it it is the gameplay and it is good gameplay i'll, I'll give it that mm-hmm um, just uh, while we're on the subject of Minecraft spin-offs, uh, story mode looked really interesting. My I got it for my wife one Christmas and she was playing and I was like, uh, oh, this this looks really entertaining. I like Telltale games. I'll probably check it out. And it's kind of killed my interest when you got to a, an area where it was just full of YouTubers. Oh, really? Yeah, like popular Minecraft YouTubers are characters. Yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, there's a particular um, audience that they're going for. Mm -hmm. with that i think yeah uh so yeah so that that was a downer um i did try minecraft in vr the other week yeah um i would play that it's, it's really it's, cool 
Yeah, and uh, I I just thought it was going to be like vomit fodder, just because of how Minecraft moves. I like, like it, it's yeah. it's a very quick and loose feeling game. I like um, that if you do get a bit overwhelmed, you can kind of pull yourself out and play on a virtual TV. Yeah. It uh, when when you first go in, it it has like a a Minecraft made television that you're playing on it, and you can switch between that and actual VR at any time. Um, and I, I spent the time just booting up old worlds to have a walk around some of the stuff I'd created, and that it, it does add a really cool uh, new angle to that. Well, literally new angles because you're at actual head height with the stuff you've made. Um, yeah. uh, ran away from a creeper. Um, <laughs> that yeah, that's that's intense, isn't it? Yeah. In VR, um, there's a sense of scale that you don't get um, playing like on a screen. Yeah, um, it was the same thing when I when I tried Skyrim VR and you know you you're next to the, the big mountain and you're just looking up at it in awe because it's just like wow I'm I'm actually down here in the the fields looking up at it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, on again on the topic of Minecraft, I've also been playing Minecraft Earth on the mobile. Oh yes. Which um, will kind of bleed into the next topic as well that I'll be talking about in a bit with um, mm-hmm. augmented reality. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm going to waste that segue though. That's fine. Uh, and we're going to go back to Andrew uh, for his spooky game of the week: uh, Slay Away Camp, Butcher's Cut, and Friday the Thirteenth Killer Puzzle. Uh, so these are horror-themed uh, slidey puzzle games. Yes, they are. <laughs> Did my research, as in I looked at the first line of your notes, and then. Now, you've talked about these before, and I know you're a big fan. Well, I talked about the first one before, uh, but yes. Uh, Slay Away Camp and Friday the 13th Killer Puzzle are two different games that are basically the same game uh, from the same developer. Uh, The difference between the two is the first game so impressed the people who own the rights to Friday the 13th that they, they contracted the developer to make an official Friday the 13th puzzle game. So... If you like one, you're going to like the other, although there are differences between the two. Uh, but they are a puzzle game where you play as a slasher in a slasher movie. If you're playing Slay Away Camp, you you play as variations on this character called Skullface, who is is basically Jason, uh, <laughs> but with the uh, a, a lawyer-friendly version of Jason. Or if you're playing Friday the 13th, you play as Jason. And... Uh, you have to go around a grid on a map and kill all the people on it, whereupon the map exit will appear. And then you go into the exit and you've cleared that puzzle. Now, the catch is that this is a sliding puzzle game, uh, which is kind of clever, uh, a clever interpretation of how monsters work in most slasher movies, how they are unstoppable and they move forward in straight lines, mostly. <laughs> I thought I think that's a pretty clever idea of how they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if you move to the right, then you're gonna keep moving to the right until you run either into one of your victims, or you run into a wall, or you run into some other obstacle. So that's the catch: is you got to find some way to work within the constraints of the level design to hit every victim on the map, and there are. The deeper into the game you get, then there are more and more complications that get added to things like 
The big one is if you land on the square next to one of your victims, he'll get scared and run away. And on some of the better puzzles, you actually have to use that to manipulate them into certain positions in order to clear the puzzle. And then there are pits, water, and fire that you can either kill yourself with by accident or you can scare victims into and that counts as a kill too and then there are light switches so that way the level goes dark and people won't run away from you uh, there are telephones that people will run and answer if you interact with uh, another phone on the map and there are police and SWAT teams that can shoot you if you go in their line of fire and just more and more and more things that can com get compounded on top of each other until you get to the last puzzle in the game and there's just so many different things you have to contend with to solve the puzzle and as I said in both of these games they're both basically the same game so they use the same mechanics and even in Friday the 13th <laughs> there's light switches there's telephones there's cats which are not allowed to kill <laughs> even even in Friday the 13th uh, you're not allowed to kill the cats because this is the internet and this is 2020 and that's not okay give me the yeah. <laughs> two of them the big difference between the two is Slayaway Camp has more maps uh, and harder puzzles I felt and it also has post game puzzles where after you beat the game you can go back through each batch of levels which are all divided up into videotapes in like a, a 1980s video rental shop uh, you can go back and you can replay all those tapes and you can do like the director's cut which has different puzzles and harder puzzles so there's a lot more content in slay away camp but friday the 13th is actually an officially licensed game uh has better graphics and uh in Slayaway Camp, you earn coins from every map to buy new killers and new animations that may or may not play when you when you kill a victim. And uh, in Friday the 13th, when you get a level up from experience you earn from every map, then you get a box filled with weapons, and then you can just choose the weapon that Jason is using at the time. That That's the main difference between the two games. It's mostly cosmetic, but... If you're into puzzle games, I definitely recommend both of these. They're really smart puzzle games, and I've been talking about slasher movie games a lot <laughs> lately, but believe it or not, I don't like slasher movies. I think they're really dumb and really boring, but I do like the games, and these are really good puzzle games, and I think if you're like me and you don't like slasher movies, you'll enjoy them anyway, and uh, if you're looking for a good slasher movie game, this is another good one. I enjoy them both. It's slasher movies being dumb and bad are exactly why I like them. Oh. <laughs> I feel like they're meant to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. it does sound like a, a cool little puzzler, even regardless of the, the horror theme. It's in that sort of uh, vein as Hitman Go and uh, some of the others they've done like that. Okay, well, we'll move on. Uh, Tori, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit... Uh, let me just uh, consult the tracking on my parcel to see where mine is. <laughs> uh, it's still in Queensland, where it was last Wednesday. Thanks, OzPost. Oh, um, hopefully it will just appear at your local post office. Yeah, it, it's saying it's going to be between Tuesday and Friday. Um, mm. I was hopeful it would move overnight and then come tomorrow, but yeah, never mind. Um, so, yours arrived. 
obviously. Otherwise, well, you wouldn't be talking about it. I picked mine up just because I was ah. worried it wouldn't come in time. <laughs> Smart. So, um, I figure it would be best to talk about this in sort of segments because this is a marriage of uh, hardware and software. Mm-hmm. And also of creation and gameplay. Yeah, there's a lot lot of elements here. Um, it's kind of incredible how far it's all come. Uh, I've been playing Mario Kart since the Super Nintendo, Super Mario Kart, mm-hmm. and now my kitchen is a track. It's. <laughs> but before I get too ahead of myself, uh, so Mario Kart Live Home Circuit is basically... It's a remote control car that you control with your Switch, but there is also a camera attached to it that gives you a sort of, I guess, a first person, third person over the hat view. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like those drones that have the camera in them and then you have the virtual reality goggles on and you can see from it, it's just not nearly as nauseating because it's <laughs> showing the video footage on the switch uh so yeah rc car it's actually really well built it's got a good weight to it the I, i've crashed this thing into walls and there's no marks on it at all which mm-hmm. i was that was one of the things i was worried about what about the walls um <laughs> who cares <laughs> No, I haven't actually noticed anything on the walls oh, either. Oh, my deposit. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to go out of your way to like put a hole in the wall with this thing, or any scratches even. Um, Challenge it, accepted. Look, if you can do it, I'll be very surprised. <laughs> uh, so this is, what, $150 Australian? I think mm-hmm. it's $100 American off the top of my head. That's what I've seen. So you are getting an RC car for that level of quality. Um, One thing that I noticed with RC cars and being a cat owner is the axles getting cat hair wrapped around them. Mm -hmm. That's been a worry of ours. Yeah, so if you have pets or even just long hair yourself, um, (laughs) go through. I I vacuumed every room anywhere near where I'm going to be using this and I mopped the floor just in case. And I'm still getting it. So just keep an eye on it because it will affect your steering. Um, Because, yeah, hardware-wise, the steering... I think... Do you call it a rack and pinion? It's basically a um, a sort of bar that kind of pushes through the cart to to steer. And it Mm -hmm. pushes both wheels at the same time, push or pull. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very easily affected. It's external to the cart. So just, it looks like it could be delicate, but it is also quite rigid compared to other little cars that I've seen around this size. Mm -hmm. The other thing as well, there's no differential in this thing. If you have very grippy floors, it's going to have a little bit of trouble steering. Um, It's not going to change. Like, I don't know how much people know about cars, but when you go around a corner, one side of the car is going a shorter distance than the other side of the car. So a differential would kind of slow down one side to make sure that all the wheels are gripping. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't notice that 
too much on the lower speeds but the higher the speeds the more I notice that I've got like a sort of lino floor it'll kind of do that horrible sound where it's kind of like rubber just rubbing against rubber in a sense so I'm yeah. trying not to laugh childishly um, <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm learning a lot about cars in this episode did you not know that? Um, yeah, no, I know. I was joking. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I was trying so, to dumb it down. Basically, it's an RC car that's around what you'd expect for that price. It's not going to have all the fancy bells and whistles. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get more into the um, the what's else is in the box, it's got your gates, which kind of remind me of Labo, the way that they fold up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just made out of cardboard. It obviously uses some sort of augmented reality tracking with the images on them mm-hmm. so when you're setting up a course just make sure that they're on like straightaways and not around corners or it's going to have trouble knowing where they are mm-hmm. and also don't like put them at the end of like your table because it might not see the the ar thing exactly uh it yeah. does it, um I'll, I'll get into that in the software part just make sure that it's <laughs> it's visible for like a, a fair chunk before you actually go through it um, you also get two arrow markers. It, they're not really necessary. They, it just adds a little bit of visual flair in the game to kind of let you know which way to turn. If you're doing like a complicated track, it's just a little detail. Um, but you can, of course, you can also, if you've got Mario merch or remote control, if you're a remote control car enthusiast, you might already have like special markers and cones and all of that sort of stuff to drive around. Mm-hmm. which uh, is probably the main appeal of this, is creating your track. Um, you can turn any room. I'd recommend using rooms with uh, without carpet or rugs. Uh, it will mm-hmm. go on them, but it will have trouble. Uh, it's kind of like driving off-road. It'll shake the camera like hell as well. <laughs> <laughs> um. I actually used a yoga mat to roll over the rug just so it would be smooth over that particular segment of the track. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go through like under furniture. They show that in the trailer. You can drive under furniture and under the, the legs of your, your tables and what have you. Don't rely on that as an obstacle because it will get very frustrating when it does some sort of visual trickery in the game. It'll like it'll make it hard to see them sometimes, and you won't know that you've crashed until you've crashed. Uh, you can do figure eights. You can cross the track over each other. The way it works is that you just you plop the car down in front of gate one. Uh, Lucky two will throw some paint on the wheels, and then you just drive through the gates in order, however you want. It uh, it uses augmented reality basically just to to look at those gates to kind of ground itself in reality. So when you put the gates down, it recommends that you actually weigh, put, put something weighty on the edges. Because mm-hmm. if you crash into them and it moves the gate, it will do some very funky things. It'll f- read this. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> like, it'll float the track around. It'll make corners really hard to see. Um, so yeah, just some books or some figurines or some, something to just keep them in place. You, the car will not be damaged by crashing into stuff. 
as I said earlier. It's got a really rigid bumper, but um, if you don't weigh them down, and I say this without having ever weighed them down, <laughs> so I'm a hypocrite. Just, yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you can put them under like the yoga rug, uh, uh, the yoga mat, sorry. You can kind of put them under the lip of that and it mm-hmm. will kind of keep it in place. Things like that. I worry about the durability of the cardboard parts. Hopefully they have some sort of replacement option in the future. So that they, yeah, and it comes with the charging cable, of course. It's just a USB-C. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if you could photocopy the uh, AR codes and put them on something of a similar height. So I think that might be a good segue into the, the gameplay. Ah, okay. So... The way it tracks the gates is that it kind of assumes the shape of the gate mm-hmm. to overlay the elements. So that camera is looking at real life, it sees the gate, and then the software will overlay all sorts of like item boxes or just the theme of the track. It'll overlay it onto the shape and it will actually kind of do the whole uh, occlusion thing. Mm-hmm. Where if like a character or it's a banana peel or an item in the game appears behind where it thinks the cardboard stands will be, it won't render it. Mm. So I think they are expecting you to use the official cardboard gates. Okay. But yes, to, to, to go more into the augmented reality thing, ultimately this is a Mario Kart game. It's basically overlaying the software, the game, over the top of the camera feed so it looks like you're playing Mario Kart in real life. Uh, so the gates are sort of where stuff happens. Sounds like a really bland way of putting it. It's basically just that's where your item boxes are, that's where your obstacles generally are. Um, there's different themes that you can do for the tracks. It, it, it's got its own cops. And it's basically just different combinations, like it'll make it look like the track is underwater and then the obstacles might be the amps, the little electric Mm -hmm. balls in the gates, and they're really annoying to try and dodge. (laughs) Uh, There's a jungle level where it will have piranha plants sometimes hanging off the gate, and if you drive underneath it, it'll like eat Mario and take him out of the cart for a bit, (laughs) and it will actually stop the cart. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the same with items. There's sadly no green shells, just red shells and blue shells. Uh, green shells would not work for this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was just bouncing in the track, it would just be a bit too frustrating. Mm-hmm. But the the unique part about this isn't it, it's not just overlaying. Um, the game over real life it's also having the game interact with real life and the way that they do that is quite ingenious it's not just about stopping the cart when you get hit by an item if you hit a banana peel you will lose control of the cart so if you don't slow down you will crash into something because it basically just picks a random direction to steer you really sharply (laughs) very quickly (laughs) love that it's, um, they added a new item, the Chain Chomp. I say new item because it doesn't work the same way as in Double Dash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Double Dash, it was basically just like the bullet bill, which is also in this game, where it's just auto-steering you. Um, you can steer the bullet bill in this, actually. But I'm getting distracted. Um, the Chain <laughs> Chomp will 
it'll attach to another person's cart and it will actually just kind of pick a random direction and pull in that direction. It also does this with um, one of the level themes that you can do is the wind, like a sandstorm, and it will actually push the cart. <laughs> it's really frustrating, actually. <laughs> it's just really cool that the sort of in-game environments are affecting the cart in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's to the degree that you forget that you're driving an RC car. Um, my favorite one, though, is that there's a Magic Cooper themed level mm-hmm. and certain gates will actually flip the camera view it oh, won't flip wow. the controls but it, it doesn't happen immediately so it gives you a little bit of time so if you're about to steer right around the corner and it flips the view now you have to steer left <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really trippy my brain does not like it <laughs> That's where a lot of my crashing has come in. It's just, uh, I'll go around a corner. It's always around a corner that it picks to do it. <laughs> um, and of course, if you do mirror mode, it flips the image of your your living space, doesn't it? I haven't tried Similar. mirror mode yet. I have unlocked it. Um, the, the progress that I made in the game so far is that I've gotten to... I've finished all of the cups for 50 and 100 cc this is where the problems start because 150 and 200 might be too fast for the space that i have Mm -hmm. um just there's no reaction time to actually make a corner basically it just it goes too fast i push the a button and all of a sudden i'm in a wall um, yeah, w- one of the tips I saw was to make sure your your corners aren't too sharp, generally, yeah. and otherwise that'll cause you issues. So yeah, if you're going at high speed, it makes sense your your corners need to be longer, longer or like ninety degrees is probably a good one. But hairpin turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is drifting in the game. The cart doesn't physically drift. I think what it feels like it's doing is it's slowing down the cart to steer. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you a speed boost. And of course you got mushrooms and boost pads in this as well. The speed boosts I don't think are as dramatic. I think they're doing some camera stuff to exaggerate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another thing that I should be talking about is the AI in this. It's a bit weird. Um... So as you've probably seen in the trailers, they're all uh, Koopalings, mm-hmm. but they're kind of holograms of sorts. They're not physically there. Obviously not physically there in the real world. <laughs> um, they're not physically there in the game world either. They kind of have a sort of holographic filter over them. But they rubber band both ways really hard. Um, they don't get too far ahead of you. I've seen them just full on stop to wait for me sometimes um but by the same token you can be driving really well and then all of a sudden you get hit by just uh, mario kart happens basically yeah i was gonna say this is this is exactly what happens in mario kart anyway (laughs) yeah but um the real life obstacles are a bit too difficult as well especially depending on your um your play space Mm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, one of the levels will physically push your cart. Um, if you're playing in a place with a lot of like table legs or chair legs or what have you, that's mm-hmm. going to be a real problem because it will dead stop your cart. Um, you can't do that thing in Mario Kart where you hold both the brake and the accelerate button and just spin on the spot. Obviously, you can't do that. So you have to, you know, physically reverse and then get back on the track. But like I said, the AI will just stop and wait for you if that gets really bad. Um, There are coins in the game and they unlock cosmetics. But like I said, the obstacles... Uh, it, it's a strange thing with the coins. Sometimes I can finish it. There's a maximum of 20 per race. Sometimes I finish with like the full 20 and sometimes I just get zero. Like I just get punished that hard. Mm-hmm. And then the track will just stop spawning coins. It's almost like it just doesn't want me to unlock any more cosmetics. Um, yeah, I guess that's just a, a thing of my play space though. I think that that's where it lives or dies for most people is just the space that you have to actually play this thing because mm-hmm. you need the hard hard floor you can't have too much carpet and uh yeah your corners for the high speeds it's all stuff that you just have to be very cautious of because it's 150 Australian bucks mm-hmm. and then you get it and then you find out that you don't really have the space for it it's a bit of a bummer Speaking of space, what's the range on it? Like, does it use local Wi-Fi to keep you connected to your car, or is it using the internal switch connection? It's using Wi-Fi, from what I understand. Okay, that's good, because I wouldn't want well, to be restricted it, it, to just one room. Well, this, this is the thing. Um, because it's using Wi-Fi, it's very easily congested. So I'm my uh, play space is right next to my living room. And I tried just before I recorded this to to play a little bit. It's probably at most four meters away through one wall, mm-hmm. and it's having connection issues. And at those high speeds, uh, you'll just crash, and you won't know that you crashed until you physically hear a bang from like the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we thought about being able to play like from the living room. And still have the carts out in the back, but um, like we're in an old house, so it's all double bricks. So I imagine the connection would struggle at times if it's getting too far away from the the console. Yeah, it, it's very much a thing where I think they expect you to be in the middle, and it races around you like in the trailer. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a space like that, you will have some sort of issues. Uh, I've mostly been playing with the Switch Lite, just playing in the chair right next to the door. Mm -hmm. That's been working okay. It's a bit sad that I can't physically see the cart while playing, but it's a bit disorienting anyway. Um, (laughs) It really does want you to look at the screen, which every now and then I have that thought of just, well, what's the point of having the physical cart then? (laughs) Like, it it could just be a camera on wheels, I mean, it's still fun to have it whizzing around you. It is. There's the whimsical element, basically. But you're never looking at the cart while it's driving, really. Okay, so you mentioned cats. You mentioned (laughs) cat hair. Um, So the the internet's already been awash with amazing uh, cat interaction videos with the carts. Uh, How is your cat going? 
Um, he does not like it. Um, <laughs> there was one particular race. There, there were some funny moments. Um, before I get too into detail, there is no capture element in this. You can't capture video oh, or screenshots. So if you want oh, to get some damn. funny cat moments, get an Elgato or something. Um, there was one moment where I'm coming around a corner and I just see my cat menacingly sitting in the doorway, staring <laughs> at it. Uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of those um, Mario Kart 8 levels where the, the level sort of evolves over the three laps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lap one, you just see a cat in the doorway and lap two maybe the cat comes in and smacks it um there was one moment where the way that my house is is that you have the the hallway which is connected through the kitchen and dining room to the living room and my cat's doing stuff at either end of the house so he has to go through this room that the cart's going through (laughs) and one particular lap he just happened to walk through and get chased by the thing (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> and he just runs into the dining, uh, into the living room where I'm sitting, and he's just screaming like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned like uh, at the start of lockdown over here. I bought slot cars because I was into racing games at the time, and I was like, "Hey, I want slot cars." Um, and we set that up, and they they were interested for like ten minutes, and then went back to sleep. So I'm, I'm imagining a similar thing will happen here. Um, but I do have a remote control BB-8 uh, that one of the cats was obsessed with trying to steal his head. <laughs> um, like, would run off and drag it into another room. So I, I don't know how that one's going to go. She's a bit feisty. I've seen one YouTuber um, put cat treats down to try and keep the cat away from the cart. <laughs> but then he touched the cart with like the treat smell on his hand. Oh, no. And so they started chasing the cart around, trying to just get a good sniff. Um I think this is definitely a different experience for cat owners or even pet owners. Um, the only thing is there is a horn in the game and I wish the horn came from the physical cart as well. That would have been hilarious. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, I guess with the uh, cat food smell on it, it would be like recreating Jurassic Park with the, uh, yeah, thing. Things may may be closer than they appear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can also last thing is um, so physically you can create a course for yourself, but software wise you can also customize gates individually. Mm-hmm. So different um, obstacles in different courses. It's more like the courses are just like a showcase to show you what you can do in the game. And then random mode and um, just course creation lets you kind of put those different elements together. So it's almost Mario Maker-esque in that sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mario uh, Builder Mario is in this even. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah, there's replayability. Just um, it, it's, it's going to live or die on the play space that you have. Uh, I think for me, like, uh, as, uh, as much as it seems a more fully featured game than I'd imagined when they first announced it i still think it'll be like a a curio you know i'll break it out every couple of months you know like like you would with slot cars you know it's not something you'd keep out all the time and constantly play um probably wouldn't replace mario kart itself you know because you know that's got the online mode and all that jazz um Mm. but yeah it'd be like is it better than slot cars hell yeah that's what it that's what it seems like (laughs) oh yeah 
Um, and especially if you're a Mario Kart fan, it feels just like a video game. Mm-hmm. Until you physically crash the cart, it you forget that you're playing <laughs> and with an RC car. Um, I just hope that they kind of expand it both with... Because it's cardboard for the accessories. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that they can do with updating the software to, to support the stuff that you could print out. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't support ramps very well. Yeah, I read that it didn't uh, support like elevation. Um, and someone had it going up a step and it caused some weird camera jarring. Yeah, it'll tell you off if it even detects you picking it up. So mm-hmm. that part is limited. I think there need to be like a 2.0 version of this that could be more dynamic. Um, I've been thinking of things like incorporating a sort of conveyor belt to kind of speed it up for certain straightaways and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very much just a flat floor drive around. Yeah, it's a good yeah, start. Still cool, still cool, and I can't wait. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to. Hopefully, not long. Damn Queensland, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, I think that's it for the show. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, folks, what are we playing this week? Tori, we'll start with you. Um. Well, I'm going to try and play a little bit more Minecraft Dungeons, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. Hyrule Warriors, I'm going to say this every week. I've been chipping away at it. <laughs> I think I want to, instead of trying to get a whole bunch done in a week to talk about one app, I'm going to just wait and play a bunch and then talk about it But right before Age of Calamity comes out. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, uh, Andrew. The physical version of Cadence of Hyrule is out next Friday, so I'm going to talk about that and its DLC. Nice. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to try and play some Hades. Uh, I bought it like the other week. I've played a collective four minutes, uh, which has included one, de- uh, one death and has not nearly given me enough time to figure out its systems. Combat-wise, it seems flowing and really like simple to play. Uh, and that you know, I've, I've seen there's a bunch of uh, variation on on the combat you can achieve with different weapons and items and uh, power-ups and all that sort of stuff so i, I really want to get stuck into that uh, my problem with that has stemmed from uh, like my switch light i bought for taking to work so i could play over lunch or on breaks or whatever uh, i've been working from home like every day except for one day a week so i don't really have that same time frame to play it on and i've played it like at bedtime uh where i've got too tired to actually see anything through so that, that that's my my big problem with it at the moment. Uh, if I finish Paper Mario anytime soon, I'll probably move it to the move my save to the big switch and go from there. So uh, we use our switches yeah. in the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, that'll be it. Hades. I want to play Hades. Okay, that's it for episode one twenty nine. 
thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Uh, make sure to check out our sister shows. We're all part of the Game Podular Network. Uh, we have PlayStation, who are a PlayStation show. We have Power of X, which is an Xbox show. I shouldn't need to explain those, but did anyway. Uh, make sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all this are in our show notes. If you want to support the network, and, you know, by way of supporting our show, you can buy us a coffee, or you can become a GamePodular Patreon. Details for both of these things are on our website. Huge thanks in advance. This episode was edited by me, uh, Andy Corrigan. You can follow me on Twitter, at Toast. You can also follow Andrew, at PlayCritically and Tori at Stew2, which is S-T-W-T-W-O.